Welcome to Antimatter Pod, a Star Trek podcast where we discuss fashion, feminism, subtext, and subspace, hosted by Annika and Liz. We're joined today by Sam to discuss the characters Tasha Yar and Ellen Landry. Annika, please introduce Sam because I'm meeting her for the first time. Sure. Uh, Sam has been my friend for at least 10 years now. We met role-playing on LiveJournal. Nerds! <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> for, for many, yeah. many years. Um, and that spun out into uh, collaborating on a lot of uh, fiction about those characters that we created. They were all uh, legacy characters of Avengers. Uh, nice. and, and assorted other fandoms that we sort of snuck in. But, uh, and, and we've worked together on various blogs um, at Fantastic Fangirls and State of Flux, and we have gone to conventions together, and we, are, uh, we ha- were most recently uh, together on a panel at uh, WizCon, uh, which is in Madison, Wisconsin every year, um, that was about Star Trek women and titled Tasha Yar. So I thought that she would be the perfect guest to have for this topic. Thank you. you know, thanks. <laughs> that was a nice introduction. You can introduce yourself as well, if, you, if there's anything you want to say. Uh, no, I mean, that's about it. I, I, I think Annika's one of my <laughs> oldest friends and certainly one of my nerdiest, which is saying something. <laughs> but I mean that in a good way. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's because of Annika that I like grew a love for Marvel comics, and now I sort of write adjacently to Marvel characters for a living, kind of, not really, a little bit. Um, so when she asked me to be on her podcast, I was like, absolutely. And then she told me it was about Star Trek, and I said, yeah, <laughs> I love definitely. I that you absolutely. said yes before you knew what it was about. <laughs> mm, yeah, that of is course. true friendship. <laughs> I knew it would be something good. Fair. So I... I'm curious to know, because I'm told it was you and Annika who came up with this, where the notion that Tasha and Ellen are sort of parallels came from. Well, I think sort of on paper, very mm-hmm. very obviously, they're parallel by being securities chiefs, by being coded as kind of tough slash masculine amongst other people, although I think it's a little bit different on Discovery now. But there's just, it, by also not lasting long enough for either of yeah. us, I think. So, yeah, I mean, I remember the initial, when we first started talking about Tasha Yar, it was before Discovery even happened, obviously. But, like, when we were talking about that panel for WizCon, you know, it was just the idea of, like, all this potential and such a cool character that people connect with, especially women especially or young women. Like, I was a kid when Tasha Yar happened. And then having that happen again many years later on all new yeah kind of a kick in the guts yeah a little bit i almost quit when she died discovery and i i was talked into sticking around which i'm glad i did but i did almost quit that they killed a lot of women of color in a very short time yes there's no no getting around shockingly and violently and with no ceremony like violently right then they're dead now (laughs) yeah what really made me angry about landry's death was not just the the violence of it, but it was just so stupid. And I sort of understand what they were doing with the character, and we can talk about that later on. But it was stupidity on her own part that got her killed. Yeah, it seemed. It's weird to say it seemed out of character for someone who we know so little about her character, <laughs> but it seemed like to me, a Starfleet security chief wouldn't have done something so dumb. 
But then again, I guess Tasha Yar sort of, well, Tasha Yar died, she sacrificed herself. And Ellen Landry died because she was a bully. And that just well, seemed Landry's very Well, Landry's whole behavior didn't seem very, didn't really seem to be in keeping with Starfleet ideals or rules or anything. And it made sense once the Lorca reveal happened and we realized that he was, had probably spent a long time grooming her to become his follower the way he did in the Mirror Universe. And, you know, this is what he wanted to do with his whole right. crew. But a lot of it is supposition. And, like, I think Ted Sullivan said on Twitter that they had intended for Landry to have been a former Buran crew member who had served under Lorca for quite a while, mm-hmm. both the Mirror and, and the original. And, and so he had more time to work on her. But that was all implicit. It's sort of all guesswork. There's a lot of There's a lot of guesswork for a lot of characters on Discovery. It's just with her, I constantly do it. I also, you know, once they sort of revealed the whole Mary universe and what Lorca's actual background was, I was like, okay, I get it. And then they showed us Mirror Landry, and I guess we could probably get yeah. into that a little later, but she, Mirror Landry didn't seem like a mirror of Prime Landry, and that was, I wish that yeah, had been explored I liked more. The, there was a theory going around that Landry had come with Lorca from the Mirror universe, which made more sense. Right. Because I agree that there was no real difference between the Landrys. It was sort of like, okay, these are the same character, and it it just it didn't it didn't work for, especially with like Philippa being so different. It didn't it didn't right. make sense. And the idea that like in the original series, the two Kirks were so different, it, like that was the whole point. Yeah, like everybody. Every time you go, you have a Mirror Universe episode. People are incredibly. Well, not incredibly, but there are mirrors. I mean, you know, obviously, to me, it's epitomized, besides the original Mirror Mirror, by, like, Kira and the attendant, intended, excuse me, or, you know, the different Daxes when they go over to the Mirror. <laughs> showing my, just showing yeah, my, yeah. my DS9, how much but, uh, <laughs> I cannot stand in your universe, and DS9 is, like, forgot that it happened, and so you're, like, I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, I just, that's fair. <sighs> yeah. Well, Mirror Universe and DS9 is its own sort of problematic, which actually they carried through here. I know this is not an episode about Mirror Universe, but I was really expecting, like, in, in, in my head, once it was revealed that there was a separate Landry that she didn't come over with Lorca, I was like, well... So, if he did groom Prime Landry, like, how did that happen? Like, how did he break down who Prime Landry was? What was Prime Landry like before? Can I yes. have an entire series of Prime Landry? <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's difficult to appreciate the Mirror Universe because we never really knew the original in her in her natural, right. mentally healthy state. And I'm sure there was some trauma at work with what Lorca was doing and her, her wartime experiences separate from him. But we don't know for sure. Absolutely. And that's very interesting. And so you right. really you feel cheated even more. Because yeah, those yeah. ideas are yeah. more interesting than anything <laughs> that we got. Than than her her, you know, few lines and her relationship with both Lorcas. It's like I'm more interested in who she is outside of that than I am with seeing this sort of paper doll version yeah i like i'm interested like obviously the version we got was interesting enough that we can have this conversation but i do wish we had had more and i think i think it's a testament of rika sharma's skills that she brought so much to a fairly flat character absolutely i felt the same way about what she did in Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, I agree. I didn't love the character of Tori, but I loved what she brought to it and what she did with it. And the way that character changed as you found out more about her, which is interesting because we found out nothing about her in this, but it's also she interesting did such because a great job. If you ever see her in person or even just um, on Twitter, she's so like bubbly and bright and happy and, and like 
she's just very alive all the time. And to play both of those really uh, restrictive characters who are just really angry, it's so it, it's 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 really interesting. It's like, wow, you're such a good actress. <laughs> I wanna... Yeah. And it just makes you think, like, what what would you do? Like, what was what was Landry like in her first assignment on a ship? Yeah. What was it like for her at the Academy? You know, my favorite. Like, And it's it's funny to think, you know, there's so few episodes of Discovery in comparison to Next Generation. But, like, even the first season, because that's all we got Tasha Yar in, which, which was still 22 episodes of which she got, like, I don't know, maybe four or five, like, focus episodes. She was always there. And I think that's one of the reasons she left, if I recall, was yeah. because she wanted more to do. And I, I sort of wonder, we still got very little of Tasha Yar in all of those episodes. And so to have her kind of reflect down 30 years later and be like, wow, I I really would. What was Tasha Yar like at the Academy having come out to ask these same questions about that character? It's, it's really funny. I went back to watch some season one of TNG for this episode because I really did not pay much attention to Tasha my first few times around, apart from yesterday's Enterprise, which we'll get to. I was really struck by how the Tasha we see on screen is quite different from the one that we, the, the sort of fandom creation. You know, screen Tasha is quite feminine. She's flirty. She's almost aggressively heterosexual. She even makes a pass at Picard at one point. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Yeah. I don't blame you for having tried to forget that. I watched The Naked Now, and God help me, I do things for this podcast. I watched Code of Honor. See, I did not. I'm going to put that right out there. I I did not. I I can't get through You made a good choice. You know, and stay calm. I rewatched it recently, and I mean recently in the last few years, and it's hard. It's so hard to watch that with a modern viewpoint. As a kid, I loved it because it was Tachi Yar getting to fight right and like that was really neat and now i watch it and i'm like oh my yes. god this is like the worst thing star trek and the fact done. that even at the time they were saying <laughs> yeah, this is terrible like, just drop like, it guys it's not just unacceptable right. now it, it, it was and unacceptable then it. but it was just yeah. interesting how much how much attention was given to tasha's uh, attraction to men and her sexuality generally compared with um anything else like, we see her as a proactive and, and involved security chief. There's the whole thing in Symbiosis where she has a really cool discussion with Riker about the, the professional challenges of people who cannot be disarmed because they carry their weapons in their skin. But a lot of the attention is is about her as yeah. a, a, a sexual object. Yeah, I think that's interesting. It's almost like they were trying to be like, hey, we know she has a short haircut and she's essentially a space police officer and you guys aren't yet used to seeing women do this kind of thing because it's 1987 so yeah yeah i think i think they got a lot of they got did a bit of the same thing with kira and janeway later on as well like don't worry guys they're definitely not lesbians yes okay which is quite frustrating because i think one of tasha's most interesting qualities is her friendship with deanna and and she and deanna are much closer than beverly and deanna um, deanna at this point and we never because Landry was in it so little, she never had a similar sort of female friendship to bring out a different yeah. side of her. Yeah, and if anything, Landry seemed to be dismissive or almost jealous of the other women on the on the series. I mean, I haven't rewatched Discovery, but that was the impression I got. She really only when Michael showed much up with Michael, and there I think she is aware that he that that Lorca has an interest in her and is threatened by that. I think that's a measure of the number right. he's doing on I her head. I think they also basically used her to show michael as being very isolated from all of starfleet 
Like it, she was yeah. only in the episode in the you know first yes. episodes on Discovery, the uh, the first two on that ship, and like it was definitely a Starfleet as a whole have decided to scapegoat Michael Burnham for this entire war, and so because she had she was the first person that Michael even saw on Discovery. Like she had, she had to yeah. be that person that was to, to she had to yeah. sell the you are completely isolated on this ship and we all hate you. She also has a dash of what we would later realize is Lorca esque um, xenophobia with her remarks about Vulcan martial arts. Mm. You know, she's dismissive yes. in really unstarfleet ways. Yeah, you know, it's interesting just to compare her again, and it's it's kind of hard because she has so little of her own character. We're here to compare. Yeah, her. right, right. But to compare <laughs> her to to the way. Ash Tyler was treated when he ends up getting and and the way he treated uh, Michael when mm. he ends up essentially taking Landry's role for no reason that made any sense until you understood that Lorca was trying to destroy everything. <laughs> Which true. at least then it made sense. So I guess yeah, I appreciate yeah. that because I spent you know eight episodes going, why does this guy with PTSD get put in charge of security? When the answer is because it will destroy everybody. Yeah. But you know it's it's interesting. So it, she's sort of this like under Lorca's wing we think i mean i hope that was the explanation for it very rough and gruff person who it just treats michael like crap and then you have ash who's essentially she dies so that he can have yes. something to do with Pretty much. michael and the crew of discovery and so it's just sort of interesting to see the way the show treated them differently especially when you talk about I mean there's all of these like overarching themes like forcing not forcing being aggressively heterosexual with uh Tasha Yar 30 years ago and then killing this female this woman who you know she could have had a similar story she is if she if she is undergoing some kind of trauma at the hands of like brainwashing and trauma and abuse at the hands of Lorca then she could have a very similar story to Ash Tyler yeah the interesting thing Rika Sharma said on StarTrek.com that the character of Landry was conceived as a middle-aged white man sort of your uh-huh. drill sergeant stereotype but the storyline would have been the same and I'm not I'm not in favor of uh adding more white men but I would be curious to know how that storyline would have played out because we so rarely get to see guys in this sort of um manipulated and then dead role yeah well yeah that's something I was thinking about when we mentioned uh, a few minutes ago about how women of color kind of died quickly mm-hmm. on the show and violently. And it's, you know, at, and the show sort of was like, okay, this happened and now we move on and it moves mm. the plot forward. And I, one day I would like there to be enough women of color on television that that's okay, but we're not there yet. And I think one day that's, that's the idea of gender and color by blind casting can yeah. work right. But I don't know if it always does. And you're right. It would have been interesting to see a middle-aged white man, be essentially under Lorca's thumb, then die, and then and have that be like, oh well, who cares? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially if they had kept the slightly creepy sexual relationship with Lorca. Like I would be yes. in favor of that. I'm gonna go out there and say I think that the word that we're looking for is disposable. It would have been interesting yes. Yes. to yes. see the middle-aged white man as disposable, <laughs> which. In a way, I mean, I really like what they ended up doing with Lorca in that they sort of tricked us all into thinking that he was important. 
um, and that he was going to be stick around even if he was evil. Like we were all pulling for him to have our redemption arc or to mm. be secretly good in this in the evil universe or something like that. But instead, they really doubled down in making him completely the most evil person in that universe. Which the is emperor something. like eats people on screen. Yes, but right. Yorka is still more evil. So, but also. <laughs> He's also sort of pathetic, you know. He has this ambition that he can't fulfill and you get the impression that without Mira Michael he was never going to succeed. And so he's really ultimately just a legend in his own lunchbox. It was really, it was, that was really well done. But, you know, and, and sort of twisting the middle-aged white male. Yeah, yeah. and I think that's uh, a testament and so, to how well Jason Isaacs yes. played that. His face when Prime Michael betrayed him quote-unquote betrayed him in the yes. mirror universe was great like oh, he did that so well it would be interesting to see the disposable landry character um, as a white man as well uh, but i again i'm more interested in having there just not be any disposable people like i mean that's we're basically saying right. that, that would have been a red shirt a red shirt with a name and that's what she is but that's not what we want like <laughs> yeah yeah I don't like, right, that's not, yes, I agree. I think, it's funny because the red shirt is such a joke, but I would be happy with a Star Trek where nobody dies. Like, that's fine with me. Because they have such, like, advanced yeah. medical technology. Just fix people. <laughs> like, it, you know, and if you're going to kill people, I guess kill them off screen. I mean, you know, obviously, when you're telling certain kind of stories, people have to die. And it's not like the other Star Treks haven't been, quote unquote, guilty of killing people. I don't know, it just felt, maybe it's because there were less episodes or because of the way they told the story, but it felt particularly I think particularly this, this particular one, it, there's, there, she didn't need to die. She could have been gravely injured and Ash right. could still have her job. She could be, you know, even just slightly right. injured right. and yeah. Ash could still have her job. Or she could be traumatized yeah. by a big scary monster and Ash could have her job. Like, there was no reason for her to be yes. dead yes. in order to create that vacancy. Yeah, it does nothing for the plot other than to say, hey, we're going to kill people on Star Trek Discovery, even though we already told you we did, and she got eaten, that other one. So, Yeah, what bugs me is they could have just gravely injured her and plopped her on a convenient medical shuttle and have her hover around the background as a loose end that Lorca can't quite clear up. It would have been fine. Yeah, you know, honestly, even if they had had Lorca kill her, you know, you know, we find out later that she was stuck on a medical shuttle or something and she's a loose end, so he has her killed. Yeah. That, to me, would have served more yes. of a story purpose. I still would have not liked it, but at least it would have been a story purpose. Yeah, whereas Tasha's death was meaningless and shocking, but it, it wasn't forgotten. Right, and it echoed yeah. down for years and it, years. Yeah, for all that we complain about how episodic Next Generation is, that death never stopped mattering. Yeah. I mean, even had they not brought her back for yesterday's she, Enterprise. She was, she was um, yeah. part of Data's trial in, in Measure of a Man, and that was a right. beautiful moment. exactly. And yeah. It, like, it sold the whole purpose of the episode. Yeah, she was still important even after her death. Right. Yeah, I mean, Tasha affected the show for the next six years after her death, which I guess is sort of like about as important as a death could be, really. Yeah. And I, I guess to some extent, I mean, I don't know how much of this is me like, if Tasha hadn't died, no Worf doing Worf, right? And then that means no DS9 the way we had DS9. And so I think that's, you know, her death echoed across the galaxy in 
the Star Wars Galaxy, <laughs> Star Trek, oh my god. Don't tell anyone I said that. The Star Trek Galaxy. We'll uh, definitely edit that out. Thank you. Thank you. Her death had much more of an effect on Star Trek just as a story than, than I suppose they probably expected it to at first, but they did a great job with that. Yeah, and for all that Tasha is a character of missed potential, if you're going to kill off a character suddenly and shockingly, they, I realize that it was an evil oil slick and it was not objectively a very good episode, but the emotional impact was well portrayed. But, but I have to say, the Marina Sirtis acts the hell out of the episode. She is stuck in that, like, crashed shuttle. The shuttle, right? Know, yeah, the, yeah. The entire episode, and she gets nothing to do. She doesn't, you know, everybody else is out there actively trying to get her out. And she just has to like talk to herself the entire time. But she, yeah. I, you know, I, I made a video, and so I, I got all of her little scenes, and I was like, "Wow, Marina! Like anyone who says you can't act, just show them these little clips of of acting against nothing, <laughs> um, and really sell yeah, the yeah, emotion yeah. of the entire story. Because honestly, it's better than everyone else. Everyone who was around, who was like outside the shuttle for Tasha's death, they they're just sort of like they have these faces of I can't believe I actually have to be in this scene like it's it's you know <laughs> like it's just really bad but Marina Sirtis is out there like really like feeling Tasha's death and and really it's just amazing so I just want to sort of put that out there that's my favorite part of that terrible episode I think that episode may have been the first or second not not the first that I paid attention to, but the first that was in the background while I was half paying attention. And, and so that was quite an introduction. Like the first episode I watched properly was The Arsenal of Freedom a few months later. But Tasha's death, wow. That, that, I was like, I can't watch this. This is not too scary. Yeah, for me, I was, I think I was seven or eight when she, I think I was seven or eight, was it 87? Anyway, when she died and she was my favorite character on the show. Social media didn't exist. Mm. Things weren't spoiled at the time. I had no idea she was going to die. And I didn't really get it at first. Like, she gets hit by this pulse, but people get hit by pulses all the time, right? And she gets this, she gets this splotch on her face, and I was like, okay, she's got a splotch on her face. They had, like, some episode about some other disease with splotches on their faces, like, six episodes ago. I had no concept of, like, the episode was ending. This is the third act of a three-act structure like I just didn't know any of that as a child and so then they had the funeral and I was like all right this is weird and then she showed up and I was like that's weird she's a hologram and then I don't know at what point it clicked with me that Tasha Yar was dead but like it took a while and then I was like really annoyed about it not like sad or scared or upset I just remember being annoyed like why would you take my favorite character off your show I completely understand because that was how I felt when I started season two and yeah, suddenly Beverly was gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And at least she came back. I wrote angry letters. <laughs> I did. Did you? Um, Do you still I have, have them? I have the response. What was the response out of curiosity? Um, it was like, it was a form letter, but then at the very bottom, there's like a, a highlighted arrow and someone had typed in, she's coming back in the next season. <laughs> So it's like, <laughs> well, that's nice. it's like, you know, eight point form letter, you know, thank you for writing. Star Trek loves you. And, and then, and then a, yeah. you know, calm down, small child. <laughs> She's coming back. Right. I, I'll, I'll, I'll try to scan it in and we can post it on Tumblr. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah. So speaking of coming back, I guess, do you want to talk about yesterday's yes. enterprise? Yes. Great segue. <laughs> um, I know. I'm so impressed. We should keep you. <laughs> thank you. 
anytime. I love Star Trek, so <laughs> I'm in. Yeah, so yesterday's Enterprise, she came back. I was older, wiser, and I was like, oh, great, she's going to be back forever. And then she wasn't anymore. <laughs> she died uh, again. You just have no <laughs> luck with Tasha. I don't, I don't. Well, there's always fan fiction, guys. <laughs> what I love about yesterday's Enterprise, it's always been a highlight of TNG for me, but rewatching it last year, twice in a year, I was amazed at how much of an influence on the aesthetics of Discovery it had. You know, it has the dark bridge and the brightly lit yeah. mess hall and or ten forward mess hall and the constant pages in the background. It it really the the idea of what it looks like when the Federation goes to war was really consistent. That's interesting. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Well and that kind of makes me argue against the parallels between Landry and Tasha because we know what what Tasha's like when she's been fighting a brutal decades-long war against the Klingons and she's still basically a good decent person and and obviously it helps that Picard is no Lorca right but I think even even if you dropped Tasha into Lorca's hands at a vulnerable stage of her life she would still have not wound up I want to write that fic well I think that's you should Uh, I I think that's interesting because I mean, the way she grew up, she was in constant yes. war all the time. You know? Yeah. She knew war before anyone in the Federation probably did. She didn't have the idyllic uh, childhood that the majority of those people did. Like, you know, they're they're living on these Federation worlds where everything is hunky-dory. They have no money. They get whatever they want. There's no crime. And yeah. then Tasha grows up in a hellscape and still ends up being a decent, morally-centered person. And a very soft person, you know. She... Yes is not your 90s type of strong female character. She is very empathetic. She's nice with kids. You know, she's a nice, gentle person who can kick your ass without breaking a sweat. And will. Yeah, yeah. And I think part of that is the 80s and how women were written in the 80s. But in the context of female action heroes, she's a bit of an outlier. I like that. Yeah, I agree. I I like that too. I mean, that's... It's interesting because as much as they sort of reinforced her heterosexuality, mm. she was also a female action hero who could have sexuality. Oh, um, yeah. And wasn't shamed for it. She got to fall in love also, which was nice, even though that was why she died in yesterday's Enterprise. You know, she got to, like, have sex and nobody was like, oh, you can't do your job anymore. Yeah, yeah. When she's embarrassed about her sexuality, it's because she's made a choice she thinks she's going to regret or she's attracted to Lutan in Code of Honor and she knows that's a bad idea. But she's also saying, I'm attracted to him. I'm not in love with him. I'm not going to sleep with him. I just want to look at him a bit. Right, which was really interesting. Like, if you think about the way women characters are written now, there's a sort of a lot more pearl clutching around that kind of thing that, like, there has to be the discussion of like, well, I'm attracted to this person. What does it mean? And for Tasha, maybe it's partially because whomever was writing that episode, and no comment on that particular episode, didn't really uh, know what to write about it. Just because the way we wrote about women was so different. The conversations we had around women and their sexuality was so different. Devastating fact about Code of Honor, it was written by a woman. I know, and she wrote a Stargate episode many years later that was essentially the same. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Girl, move on. Yeah. She's got issues. Wow. But I do think, like, Tasha's behavior is a choice that she makes, and she makes every day. Like you were saying, she has the most traumatic background of any Star Trek character, even including Worf and and Michael. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many 
levels to it in like there's the um when she she has the the very special talk with wesley where she explains that drugs are bad (laughs) but when you think about that that means that she's been an addict since birth and like that's one of the things about addiction is that every day you get up and say i'm not going to do that today yeah just a few minutes ago someone said she makes the choice and it's like yeah she makes the choice every day to be the best person that she can be and she she really does all of her all of her choices like that and i think that's why she was so upset about sleeping with data because that it wasn't her choice it wasn't it, she didn't get to say i'm going to do this because i want to do this it was because of some out external force that was that was um taking her over and that upset her yeah. like, so she was like look we're not I, I can't deal with this right now. And I do kind of, I feel like eventually they would get to talk about it if she hadn't died. If she hadn't died. Well, I feel like also, and I mean, I don't know if you guys do content warnings or anything, because I'm going to go into, yeah, okay. The disease or virus or whatever from that episode took away her ability to consent, and she grew up on a planet with rape gangs. Yeah, and yeah. That, that would be really That hard. is the kind of thing, right. <laughs> that's the kind of thing that I imagine would be explored much more richly now, but was still there subtextually then, in in the way she, like, negatively reacted to that whole thing. But that she didn't blame Data, you know? It was just more about, to me, and obviously a lot of this is subtext I'm, I'm adding into, but it was much more about, like, that loss of control and that loss of consent and what that meant for this person who up without control but that knowing that in another way in another world maybe it could have been a good thing like she still liked data as a person and data of all people is not going to treat her any differently or look at her in diff differently right right you know yeah he's a very safe boyfriend yeah but yesterday's <laughs> enterprise so i like that episode i still like it i have fond i thought she was great i I remember reading an art an interview with denise crosby saying i got more to do in that episode than i got to do the entire time i was actually on star trek and she's right she did and that also had you know the first time we saw a woman captaining the enterprise she was a woman captaining (laughs) the enterprise which was great (laughs) i wish she hadn't died too so that some dude could take over for her and by some dude I, I am a big fan of that actor because I'm a weird Grease 2 nerd and he was in Grease 2. Oh, so, precious. In my head, I just call him Goose, so he's Captain Goose to me. <laughs> but uh, I still have fond feelings for that episode, even though kind of the way it ended, like if I had watched it as an adult the first time, I probably would have been like, uh, so the lady captain dies. And then Tasha falls in love with the same guy who gets to take over the Enterprise. So she ends up going back to the past I guess that's good because it was her choice and she gets to live and like she knows what she's facing if she doesn't do that. But then we have to find out what happened when she went to the past. That's the problem. Like I love her deciding if she's going to die, she's going to have a meaningful death this time and it is going to count for something. I love that and I think that is a really good encapsulation of Mm. Tasha's character. But then you go on to the later episodes and it breaks my heart that this character who basically came from rape culture, the planet – ended up being captured and raped and having her rapist's child who was then as a you know i know she's a child but she's still partially responsible for her mother's death and she's raised to be uh yeah (laughs) to hate to hate her mother yeah yeah it's all bad i am a fan of the sila story that didn't happen which is the one that denise crosby Mm -hmm. came up with that she was the daughter of tasha and captain goose 
and thank you for using Captain Goose. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, he's Captain Goose now. And um, right. but who was raised as a Romulan, and so like the rest of it is basically the same. But that she was a human raised as a Romulan, and I'm very interested in that. You know, the same reasons that I'm interested in Michael being raised by Sarek. So right, like yeah. I am always like sad that that's not what it is, and that instead it's this the worst possible rape fantasy that is tied up as yeah. oh she, he fell in love with her and it's like no he didn't he was an evil Romulan yeah. who uh. who came up with that twist who on the Rise team came up with that twist because I have this awful feeling it was Jerry Taylor I, I don't I don't know no. I don't know I, I just don't know I know that no I know. me neither that Denise Crosby pitched it one way and they were like we like the story but we're gonna change it and then it was and it's like, why? How what if we add know? more rape? But anyway, I wish that Sela had been better written in general. I feel like she could have been a half Romulan child of rape and still gotten a better character arc. <laughs> like, I, yeah, and also mm-hmm. one that didn't completely sort of destroy. You know, if she had been more conflicted and not just hated her right. mom, yeah, it yeah. wouldn't have made Tasha's death. Right. So awful. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's it, it it really. I mean, th- those episodes are bad. Those episodes are bad in general. Yes. Everything with Spock is bad. Everything with the Klingons is bad. It's all bad. What I would have loved is if they had just sort of saved that character, put her on the back burner, and she had been the bad guy in Nemesis. Yes. Oh, exactly. that would have been amazing. That would have been interesting. We didn't need no. Tom Hardy clone. We had that character already that existed. It, it, that would have been. Such a great... Uh, anyway, to go back to sort of Sila, and, you know, as we sort of approach Discovery Season 2, one of the things about these arcs and is we were talking about how Tasha's death really resonated for seasons afterwards and years and probably into other series, sort of in much more subtle ways, mm-hmm. like fourth and stuff. Yeah. But, like, they, I suppose Discovery has the opportunity to bring Landry back, but I imagine they're not going to. And it's interesting because they killed... Georgiou and brought her back in a way yeah yeah I think if we ever see like flashbacks to Buran era Landry if that's what they decide to go with it will probably be around the time they bring back Prime Lorca right which I mean is fine one of the things Discovery seems to be doing is killing people and then bringing them back Culver I imagine from yes exactly to me I mean I'm the kind of person that that doesn't erase the death in the first place and in fact almost makes it worse because it empty it less cheap yes yes um so i you know i'm conflicted about whether i would want landry back i just like her so much for a character i saw for like three and a half episodes not even because she wasn't in the full episode that i would love to see her back and to see the actor back but mm. how could it possibly be done but how could it work or at least to have them sort of acknowledge that there was this woman and she's served in starfleet and died yeah. a bad death and yeah you know and she was effectively betrayed by her captain and deserved better yes right and who's going to be security chief next year will that be part of the plot point i've been i've been thinking about that i was like ah oh yes so now there's no security chief again they could clone her or they could just go in the mycelial network and get her from an entirely other universe there's gotta be another one (laughs) i mean in in parallels (laughs) visits a whole bunch of different ones so and we and we know that the right, exactly. exists. So we'll just go go get her. Mm. Find her somewhere. I do kind of like the idea of just 
continually bringing in alternate landries <laughs> for as long as the series runs. If they just did an episode that was like parallels with, with various landries showing up, I that would probably be one of my favorite Star Trek episodes. I mean, it should at least be a short treks. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, Landry is the sort of character who you could do a short trek about, you know, about her career and her personality yeah. before her death and, and before Lorca. To retroactively make her death have more impact. Right. Yeah, yeah, because we don't know who she was. That's the problem. And, like, I actually didn't like her very much as a character and wasn't hugely sorry when she died, but I find her really interesting, having realised that she was sort of what Lorca wanted to do with everyone. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I wonder, like, I love her because she sort of checks all my boxes for characters, like, the type of strong female character I like, flawed and kind of angry and will punch you in the face. Yeah. But but has, like, a moral center of her own, even if at this point it's broken because of Lorca. I, I, you know, is she a popular character in sort of the broader scheme of things? Like, she turns up, but I wouldn't say she's... Someone I see much of. She's like a, a yeah. rare character. The people who like her like her a lot. Yes. But most people just don't yeah. have an opinion. <laughs> right. I chip her with Tilly. Yes, well, you know how I feel about that. I could go deeply, deeply <laughs> so into I, that. So I have this ridiculous obsession. Yeah. I, okay, I ship... I ship Prime Landry with Tilly, with Prime mm-hmm. Tilly. I ship Mirror Landry in my head, who's actually the opposite of Prime Landry, not the real Mirror Landry we saw, with Captain Killy. Yes. Um, I, I just, every combination of them makes me happy, even though, again, <laughs> they shared, like, one scene together. I, there's just something about Tilly's personality that makes me find her complimentary to what we saw of Landry's uh, for me it's, no, it's that makes sense. when she says I'm I was going through a soldier phase but now I'm into musicians and I'm a like soldier phase. I got your soldier yeah. phase for you yeah yeah I know a soldier yeah yeah, yeah. she's right here she's dead <laughs> yeah but, you know she'll get better. she's dead but that's fine oh my god I just figured out who should be security chief for season two okay Tasha oh wow I mean, what She's already she's already travelled through time once, so yep. she escapes Romulan execution by I don't know popping into popping an farther back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She lands in the twenty third century, and she's like, "Well, I'm not going to change history, but if you've got a starship, I can like security chief it." <laughs> okay. And, and yeah. be like, "Hey, we have one with a personnel shortage right here. We need a security." And clearly nothing Discovery does actually changes history because they would have already heard of it. Yeah, yeah. Are you sure you're not a Klingon? Great. Have right. this job. You're in. Yeah. Just while we're on the uh, subject of Tasha flitting around and going through space, I read an amazing fanfic once where uh, Cedo Jaxa, when she gets lost, oh, met my up babe. with Tasha mm. in a sort of time travel afterlife where they were like security chiefs like kind of like legends of tomorrow <laughs> like going through oh my god to wherever there was a, a problem in like the temporal plane or whatever they would go try to fix it <laughs> um could you send that to me yeah I'll, i will try to find okay. it <laughs> clearly landry should join up in this yeah. uh, this 
Absolutely. Landry could start hopping through time. It's gonna be another. She is like the quintessential time traveling bad cop. Yeah. Oh my god. This is my favorite <laughs> thing ever now. Yeah. All of the women that Star Trek has killed too soon. So Prime Prime Georgiou can join them too. She can be their yeah, captain. Yeah. Yeah. They all of these women that have been un unceremoniously discarded. discarded by Star Trek can join up in a Legends of Tomorrow esque caper yes. gang. I love it. Perfection. I am definitely here for it. So many women characters. So many of them. Yes, it's disappointing. I, I, I really like Discovery. It sounds like I'm kind of negative on it. I really enjoy it. But the reason I enjoy it is not, I think, the reason that the writers are, like, the way the writers are writing it. It's the way I, as a Star Trek fan... Engage with it. Who also engage with it. Yes, exactly. Hmm. And, and you, you've always needed to bring your own thing to Star Trek. Like, you have oh, to jo- join the dots to an extent. Yeah, and I think part of that before was the sort of episodic nature of it. Although, the, you know, of course, stuff was serialized, especially, like, towards the back end of DS9. Uh, I think with Voyager, that was sort of the most episodic of all of the shows, to me. Yeah, and I'm, I'm re-watching Voyager now, and I'm struck going week by week, episode by episode, by how much is implicit. Like, Harry wakes up back on Earth and he's reunited with everyone he loves and his clarinet. And a couple of episodes later, he's replicated himself a clarinet. And it's like, well, clearly that impacted him, but they're not going to say it because the audience might be watching out of order. And I kind of enjoy having to do the work, but then you get to stuff like Landry where you you really have to do all the work. All of it, yeah. Yeah. But you have to do all of the work in a lot of ways with Discovery. It's just Landry is the best example of it because she died so quickly. (laughs) Yeah. Generally, I don't mind it, though. Like, part of the reason I like Discovery so much is that I like that I'm engaged on that level. But I think they need to find a slightly better balance. Yeah. I mean, I have high hopes for... uh, So, speaking of Landry and sort of uh, what's next, uh, Mm. I have high hopes for how they're going to do number one uh, next season. To me, she's the next kind of Landry. But all I know about number one is like, you know, what we saw of number one in the original series and what I have in my head. And so I'm, you know, I'm hopeful for that. I also like Rebecca Romaine. I think she's kind of underrated. Um, (laughs) Annika has discussed this at length. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I'm hopeful that like season two, even though Landry is gone and they've lost this interesting woman of color, that there's this kind of interesting woman in this position of power, which 60 years ago, has it been 60 years? Whatever. A lot of years, 50 years ago, 50-ish years ago, they... The networks were so afraid of that that they literally replaced her. And I think it's sort of interesting to see where we go with that in 2019 slash 2018 when they wrote it. And what the way they treated Landry and the way they treated Giorgio and the way they've also treated other characters. Like, you know, what does that sort of mean? Like, I am cautiously optimistic for number one, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Because of Landry. Yeah, things change and they also stay the same. And like, I love that Michael is a character who has to work really hard for her successes because that is the kind of story I respond to. But I'm also aware that she, as a woman of colour, is having to work much harder than the white male characters who preceded her. And, and like you said about colourblind casting, nothing happens outside of context. But I'm cautiously optimistic. No, I'm, there's nothing cautious. I'm optimistic. Well, that's good. That's great. I mean, I'm, I, I like Star Trek so much 
even Enterprise, which I never finished watching. I, you know, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> but it's Star Trek, and there's just something about Star Trek that brings out the optimism. I think I that's think. a good way of looking at it. Yeah. And I'm and I'm excited for season two. I'm excited uh, for seeing more of Michael in, with her family. I'm like yes, I'm just, I agree. Like, thrilled <laughs> that, and I'm sort of I'm hoping that there'll be less Michael um, having solitude suffering. Like, I, I, how do I say this? Be, suffering alone. Yeah. I guess that's what I'm saying. I, I'm tired yes. of seeing yeah. Michael isolated and suffering. <laughs> it's like, these, this is just yeah. like enough of that. So I'm, well, I'm hopeful that now that she's sort of back in good graces with Saru and, she has a really good relationship with Tilly, and now Spock's coming back, and Sarek is there, and it's like all of, you know, there's going to be a lot of people around her, you know, even Tyler comes back, and so she's going to have lots of different ways to have different relationships, and they're, you know, I'm sure they're all going to be rocky in some way, but it won't be about Michael being alone, it'll be about Michael with people. And even if there are elements who are not happy about her being reinstated and effectively redeemed, she still yes. has a support network. She's not going it alone anymore. And honestly, I really hope she doesn't have to suffer as much. <laughs> Someone else should suffer this season. Yeah. I hope everybody doesn't have to suffer as much. Yeah, it was it was really rough. Season one was a real downer of a season. I, you know, there was a lot of really interesting stuff in there. But the reason magic to make the sanest man go mad is my favorite episode because it was one that was like actually kind of fun despite Lorca just dying a hundred thousand times like people got to have a party yeah that was a fun part people got to have a party michael got to realize she had feelings for someone like it wasn't the drama wasn't all like oh these people have been murdered oh we're at war you know it it felt like an episode of star trek uh i mean see i i'm kind of a bad person because I really want season two to be a bit lighter and happier, so then season three can torture everyone again. Yeah, that's fine. I'm Balance. concerned. As much as I, I don't want there to be as much suffering, I also don't want them to be just all better. Like, I don't want them to be like, oh, yeah, no, right. I have to deal with the Red Angel, so we're going to forget all of that happened. And it's like, no, that happened, and it's still affecting you, even if you can't tell. So can we maybe deal with it a little bit instead of... Like, I don't want Ash to be back and to Michael to be... Yay! Welcome back. Let's go have some yeah. French fries. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, our, let's have a, a real conversation because they did that conversation so well. The one where she said, "Yeah, you have yeah. to fix yourself. I can't do it for you." Like that was such a amazing, which was great, wonderful thing for her to be able to say. And I don't want him to come back and be like, "I did it." <laughs> it's like, oh, no, no, no. I'm yeah. sure they won't, but. Sometimes I feel like if, if we express these worries, that means they won't come true. That's how it works, right? I'm, I'm, I, sure. I have more, you never know. Well, they've already do done it. So. I just, I like that last episode. I really hate the last episode of the season. And so, so I, I just yeah. like, I worry that, that they think that that's their starting point, And I want the starting point to be the episode before. Yeah. The I people agree. who wrote that episode were fired. Like, <laughs> yay. I think Literally. we're okay. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I mean, I imagine if nothing else, although I don't want it to be limited to only Georgiou's storyline, I imagine she's she's That's a constant true. reminder of everything That's that happened true. to them last year. Mm. And mm. so I, 
I hope there are a ton of great scenes. I mean, first off, Michelle Yeoh is really great in that role. Like, chewing just the right amount of scenery and just, like, really embracing being, like, that character. But, like, anytime she shows up, Michael will be reminded of every- Like, and Tilly will be reminded. You know, everyone who see- I-, I don't know who she's going to interact with. What will be interesting, like, I really want a scene of Michael and Spock talking about what happened to Michael. Because, like, yeah. Spock hasn't really dealt with, I mean, if we're still in Pike era Star Trek, which we are, Spock right. hasn't really had a lot of trauma in his life. Like, other than being a half-human. And the interest, like, all of the things Michael has gone through, and talking to her sort of a, yeah. her brother about that. that I'm, I'm really I'm hoping, really hoping for that kind good. of thing. And I'm interested in the, you know, the fact that Sarek chose to put Spock into the Academy and over Michael, but then Spock refused to go to the Academy, and it's like, that's why Sarek has been so mad for 30 years or whatever. You know, it, it makes perfect yeah. sense now. It's like, oh, wow, you made that, that decision make, like, I, I love that, that you added that to it. But now that Michael knows, and I don't expect her to take it out on Spock, and I don't expect her to tell Spock, but I, it will still affect it. And I find that interesting as well. Like, those right. are more yeah. threads that are yeah. really there, and I'm hopeful that they'll be, you know, at least sort of blowing in the wind, if not pulled. This is not a family that talks about things, so I definitely don't expect Michael to tell Spock about anything. But Right. But it's there under the surface. And as we've been saying, we bring it to it. So like these are the yeah, things yeah. I'm thinking about while they're talking. So I expect to see for me to read a lot of subtext into it, even if it's not actually there. Exactly. And I'm ready. Yes, these are all the dots I'm gonna connect next year. Uh Michael and Spock working through Michael stuff that's whatever if it doesn't happen on screen it's gonna happen in my head Tilly being sad about Landry if it doesn't happen on screen it's gonna now that now that they're not worrying about the war anymore that's that's what I they can take stock of their losses she can be sad about it and like whenever there's a new security chief who's installed she can be like uh you're not Michael's boyfriend and you're not Landry I don't like you in a sort of Tilly way so just that's going to be in my head when I'm watching all those episodes. Well, now it's going to be in my <laughs> head, so thanks. You're <laughs> spreading it out into the universe. You're welcome. <laughs> Having brought us back to the subject of Landry, is this time to wrap up? Yes. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Antimatter Pod. You can, in fact, rate and review us on iTunes, but you cannot support us on Patreon or like us on Facebook. You can find us online at antimatterpod.tumblr.com including links to our social media and credits for our theme music. Please send vaguely positive thoughts in our direction and join us in two weeks when we start our weekly discussions of Discovery's second season. Which is going to be challenging because I will be at my sister's house that weekend and I don't think my laptop is up to running Skype and Audacity at the same time. So we'll figure it out. (laughs) If I have to do it all on my phone, then we'll make it work. (laughs) 